Amos chapter 9. Amos chapter 9, verses 11 through 15. And I'll read those out for us here this morning. In that day, I will raise up the booth of David that is fallen and repair its branches, breaches, and raise up its ruins and rebuild it as in the days of old, that they may possess the remnant of Edom and all the nations who are called by my name, declares the Lord who does this. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when the plowman shall overtake the reaper and the treader of grapes, him who sows the seed. The mountains shall drip sweet wine and all the hills shall flow with it. I will restore the fortunes of my people Israel and they shall rebuild the ruined cities and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and drink their wine and they shall make gardens and eat their fruit. I will plant them on their land and they shall never again be uprooted out of the land that I have given them, says the Lord your God. This is God's word. Amen. Let's take our seats. And as we do that, just a word of thanks to the music team. Let's thank them for all they've uh, done. Put it, this is not easy to do outside. So thank you, uh, Pastor Eric and your team uh, for doing that. And uh, I think we also uh, should thank uh, the tech team uh, because this is really quite a complicated thing to put together. So thank you. Um, and we've been amazed at all that you've done over the last year as we've uh, been through an interesting season. Well, let's come uh, to, as we come to God's Word, let's pray together. Let's pray. Our Father God, as we come now to your Word, we pray that even as we're sitting outside in this, uh, beautiful, um, on this beautiful day, uh, Lord, that you would fill us with your Spirit. Lord, this wouldn't be merely an uh, intellectual exercise, but we would hear from you. Lord, help me to be clear as I explain your Word. And we pray, Lord, that it would be anointed by your Spirit and move us uh, to be thrilled at all that you have for your people. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It was uh, November the 19th, 1863, and a tall, thin Illinois lawyer stood in front of a massed crowd in a cemetery Four score and seven years ago, he famously began. So a hundred years later, when at the uh, memorial for Abraham Lincoln in Washington, D.C., another man stood before a mass crowd of people, I have a dream, Martin Luther King said. Throughout the history of the world, those who have captured the attention of their hearers have always described a dream in the midst of sometimes painful reality. It is the combination of those two things that thrill us, an acknowledgement of the pain and yet a description of the promise. Amos has done exactly that. He has spent eight, nine and a half chapters describing the pain of injustice in his day and it has resonated with the pain of injustice in our day. But there is a good news to his description now of justice 
and of the promise. In a sense, we could say that Amos also has a dream. It is a thrilling dream, an exciting dream. The mountains shall drip sweet wine. But as uh, we listen to that dream read out by Pastor Eric, and as we consider it together today, we naturally have uh, some questions. When will that dream truly occur? What would it be like? And then how do we become a part of it? And that's what we're going to consider today. First of all, when? When will this occur? Amos tells us, verse 11, in that day I will raise up. And then again, he uh, announces once more, verse 13, Behold, the days are coming. So it is a specific day. And this, uh, scholars say, is one of the most dramatic changes of tone in the whole Bible. Up until this moment, the day in Amos has been a day of darkness and dismay as God is saying that his people are going to go into exile for their injustice. But now, Amos says, that day will be a day of promise. Well, when will that take place? Many people have uh, wondered that. Is it now? Is it in the future? Is it some day still to come? When are these days? Fortunately, in God's good providence, we have a specific answer to that question. If you have a Bible, turn with me to Acts chapter 15, and there's another speech that takes place there, this time in front of the Jerusalem Council. God's people, God's New Testament people, have been wrestling with whether they need to lower the barrier for the inclusion of all nations, all ethnicities, all races, or whether they need to keep the ceremonial barriers up between Jew and Gentile, that is, between Jew and and all nations. They have known the promise of God that he would reach all nations. They've received the Spirit of God when Peter preached in Acts chapter 2 that now the gospel is going to all nations. But should they lower the barrier ceremonially to make it easy for all nations of whatever color to be included in God's promise, or should they keep that barrier, that ceremonial barrier high? And James quotes from Amos to answer that question. Acts chapter 15, verse 15. And with this, the words of the prophet agree, Amos, uh, 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 James says. Just as it is written, now quoting from Amos, after this I will return and I will rebuild the tent of David that has fallen. I will rebuild its ruins and I will restore it. And the remnant of mankind may seek the Lord and all the Gentiles, that is all the nations, who are called by my name, says the Lord, who makes these things known from of old. Therefore, uh, James concludes, my judgment is that we should not trouble those of the Gentiles who turn to God, but should make it easy for them by removing these ceremonial matters. So according to the Bible, according to the New Testament, according to James at the Jerusalem Council, that day when the mountains shall drip sweet wine, that day is the day of the mission of the New Testament church. 
that day is when the New Testament church removes barriers so that all peoples, all the nations of whatever color, can easily be included in the promise of God for all nations. That is the day. In other words, it is our day. It is this day. It is the day of the mission of the New Testament church. And what that means is, well, okay, so if that's true, what's it going to be like? If that's when, if it's now, if we follow God's commands and fulfill his promises, that the gospel includes all nations, what will be that day be like? And um, Amos tells us in this passage we had read out from Amos chapter 9, he says, in that day, what will happen? I will raise up, that is, it will be a resurrection day. What would he raise up? The booth of David that is fallen and repair its breaches and raise up its ruins and rebuild it as in the days of old. Notice it is no longer the house of David, that palatial, impressive, stone edifice. It is a tent that we rebuilt. Why? Because God's New Testament people are no longer bound ethnically, but are people for all nations on the face of the planet. And we are now a pilgrim people who have, as it were, a tent that has been rebuilt. For we go on mission to reach all nations. I will raise up the booth or the tent of David. That's what that day is going to be like. And then verse 12, that they may possess the remnant of Edom and all the nations who are called by my name, declares the Lord who does this. Why does he mention Edom? He mentions Edom because right at the beginning of the book of Amos, you may remember when Amos went round all the different nations who were injustice, who had injustice and injustice and one way or another went round them all and finally landed on the people he was preaching to, that they also had injustice to declare to them that the problems of the world are my problems and our problems. And as Alexander Solzhenitsyn famously put it, the dividing line runs not between nations and countries, but right down the line of every human heart. It is my responsibility, my injustice and my sins. As he preached that at the beginning of the book of Amos, he used over and over again Edom as symptomatic of nations in rebellion against God. And now he mentions Edom. Technically, it's what's called a synecdoche. That is a thing that stands in place of a bigger thing. Like if your friend has a nice car and you say, I like your wheels. You don't mean literally you like the wheels. You like the whole car. Similarly, Edom stands for all nations in rebellion against God. And so what Amos is saying is in that day, Edom, that is nations in rebellion against God, will be called by his name. They will be possessed. That doesn't mean like dominated or uh, repressed. The word possessed has a sense of inherit. And what Amos is saying is the nations will now inherit the blessing given to Abraham. God long ago said that one day that blessing to Abraham wouldn't just be for the Jewish people, but be for all nations. And in that day, the day of the mission of the New Testament church, it's going to happen. What will that day be like? And he uses this set of highly evocative images. Uh, Verse 13, when the plowman shall overtake the reaper and the treader of grapes, him who sows the seed, the mountains shall drip sweet wine 
and all the hills shall flow with it. What's he mean by that? What he means is Amos was uh, from a peasant background, almost certainly, and he was aware of the rhythm of agriculture. And normally in agriculture, you sow, you wait, you reap, you wait again, you sow again. What Amos is saying is in that day, there'll be no waiting. In that day, the sowing will be so fruitful that then the reaping will immediately take place and there'll be so much reaping, it will be going on until it's time to sow again. It's a time of extraordinary abundance in that day. And he says, the mountains shall drip sweet wine. That is, those mountains that had less fertile soil on them than the valleys the mountains themselves will grow an abundance of grapes, always an important harvest in ancient Israel, an abundance of grapes, and they'll be harvested quickly. The sweet wine is the fresh crush of the grapes to produce wine, and the mountains shall drip with it. In other words, he's saying there's going to be the superabundance. It would be a bit like saying, you'll be up to your ears in it. You'll almost be drowning in it. There'll be so much blessing. The mountains shall drip sweet wine. And in the book of Acts at the beginning, when the Spirit comes upon God's people, and they begin to speak in other languages because they're reaching out now to all nations, the people who watch what's going on cannot understand it, and they say, they think, that they have been having too much sweet wine. Exactly the Greek version of this word. In other words, what Amos is talking about is that moment when you're filled with the Spirit, and you now love that person of whatever background, whatever culture, because Jesus first loved you, and that's like the mountains shall drip sweet wine. There'll be an abundance of love for whoever you are and wherever you come from. And that barrier of hostility will be broken down. For Je- in the body of Jesus, raised up, he has abolished that barrier. He's abolished the wall of hostility between nations in him. There will be a superabundance of blessing now for all nations. That's what it's going to be like. You say, well, I don't see much of that. How can we have more of that? In the biblical vision, that day is now, and it is also not yet. And as the church gets on with the mission of the church, proclaiming the gospel to all nations, it advances that final day when there'll be a new heaven and a new earth, and there will be finally no more weeping or crying, for the old order will have passed away, and all things will be new. And we say, how can I be a part of that? Well, Amos also tells us that. When that will happen, what will be like? How can I be a part of that? The first thing that Amos says, you have to realize, is that it's something that God and God alone can do. Verse 11, he says, In that day, God is speaking through Amos, I will raise up. Something God does. And then verse 12, Declares the Lord who does this. Only God can do this. Or verse 14, I will restore the fortunes of my people Israel. Or verse 15, I will plant them on their land that I have given them. This is something that only God can do. What is the solution 
for the anger and hate between Arab and Jew? What is the solution for the anger and hate between black and white? What is the solution for the anger and hate between indigenous peoples and colonial peoples? What is the solution for the anger and hate between Hutu and Tutsi in Africa? What is the solution for the anger and hate between Chinese and Uyghur peoples in China? And the answer is not my ability, not our ability, not a social ability, but only in one person. The solution is one Middle Eastern Jew who was born of Mary, who lived the perfect life, who died and rose again, and in him... Is the healing of the nations. It is God and God alone. It is in Christ. You say, well, does that mean I just sit back and don't do anything? No, 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 it doesn't. And Amos also is clear about that. So he says in verse 11, I will repair, raise, and rebuild, that is, in Christ and his death and resurrection. But then he turns in verse 14, and they shall rebuild, and they shall plant, and they shall make gardens. Specifically, Amos says, they shall rebuild ruined cities and inhabit them. One, two, they shall plant vineyards and drink their wine. They shall make gardens and eat their fruit. As a church, uh, we describe that through discover, grow, impact. We want you here this morning to discover Jesus and discover a church that's following Jesus. We want to grow in our love and knowledge of Jesus together, and we want to have an impact on the world. We discover, grow, and impact. We rebuild plant and make gardens. And what that means is each one invites one. You've heard about Tuesdays together. Uh, you've heard about uh, the Hayek's uh, ministry over the summer as it's uh, looking at the, those Psalms of Ascent. Um, next Sunday we'll be doing a new series, beginning a new series in the book of Hebrews about better together because the way we become together as a people is through Christ, and that's better than anything else. So that theme of together is going to run throughout the summer, and each one invite one. Each of us invite one person. That's how we're going to encourage people to discover Jesus. As we grow, each one engage as one. Let's, let's come together this, this summer through these different ministries. We've been relationally starved, relationally malnourished. Now we have an opportunity to be together. Let's make the most of that so we can grow spiritually. And then we impact the world through that. Each one serve the one in different ways, whether through missions, church planning, serving in children's ministries, disabilities ministries, serving uh, parking lot, the tech team. There are a number of many different ways, but each one serve the one. So it's Christ who does it. By his spirit, he forms a New Testament people of God, the church, and then they, in order to advance that day, need to remove barriers, unnecessary cer ceremonial barriers, to include people of all nations around Christ and Him alone 
And we do that as we encourage people to discover Jesus, as we grow spiritually, and then as we impact the world. Every message that has grasped the hearts and minds of people has always acknowledged the reality of our pain and at the same time described a picture of the promise. I have a dream, Martin Luther King said. Amos also has a dream. These days there are competing eschatological, to use the technical phrase, that is just last days promise visions. There are competing visions. One very popular one uh, written years ago that continues to echo whenever people are looking for a new vision is John Lennon's famous song, Imagine. Imagine a world where there is no pain. Imagine a world where we all live as one. It's easy if you can. And John Lennon, in his imagination, imagines that there's no religion. But if you follow Jesus this morning, you don't have to imagine. I'm not preaching to you religion. I'm preaching to you Christ and a relationship with him that breaks down the dividing wall of hostilities between different religions. And in him, you don't have to imagine. That day is now. The day when all nations bow before the risen Lord Jesus Christ. And if you join in that mission, that day is day by day advanced. As we, as Cottage Church, do our part in the global community of the true church to break down the dividing walls of hostility, to deal with the injustices of our day, all in Christ and in Christ alone. Let's pray together. Would you stand with me as we come to pray? And then I'll give the benediction. Our Lord God, we do pray that we will be a people of this Amos-like vision. That that mountain, Lord Jesus, where you appeared to your disciples and said, therefore, as all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. That mountain that drips sweet wine, the wine of the gospel. Lord, would you fill us anew with that wine, with your spirit? Would you fill us with your love? And therefore, would you send us out, not just to imagine, but to be on mission? And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.